We're going to kind of do what we've been doing the last few weeks. We're going to take a passage of scripture and we're going to walk through verse by verse. So we'll be in John chapter four. Um, While you're turning there, let me just tell you, let me set your expectations. That's the name of our series, by the way. That deserved a good laugh. I didn't get it, but it it was a good try, right? So laugh in pity, if nothing else. Just to set expectations, we've been in this series we're calling our expectation series, and this is the fifth and final week. We'll be closing that series this week, but... um, I I really felt as I was preparing for this, and I say this carefully with fear and trembling, that I really believe that this is a word from God today. And I believe it's a prophetic word. I believe that God in this message today is gonna do two things for us. First of all, he's gonna bring some correction. How many of you know that God corrects us? God doesn't just tat-tat and say, that's okay. He brings correction, but he also brings direction. So I believe in this word today that the Lord is gonna maybe show us some areas where some correction is needed, but then also give us some directions for the future. And that'll work really well in our series because when we find out where he wants us to go, we can set our expectations to match his. How many of you know that God doesn't check your expectations if it's okay with you, if he goes ahead and does something, right? And so... This will help us just get in line with where I believe he's bringing us. And I think this is a word for us as a church and maybe even for the larger body of Christ. Um, I'm reminded every week of, of the, um, the privilege we have of having influence outside of sulfur. I was talking to a guy this week who uh, they're in Abilene, Texas, and they're part of our church. They watch us online. So I want to say good morning to the Cordell family because they're watching us in Abilene, Texas. We got people in Kentucky and Texas and all over the place. And so uh, this word isn't just for us. Maybe it's for the entire body of Christ. Enough in the way of introduction. John chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 3. This is going to be a familiar passage. This is an encounter that Jesus has with a woman that we call the woman at the well. It's real deep. It's because she was at this well. (laughs) Verse 3 says, He left Judea and and departed unto Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Quickly, let me help you with context. I want you to do something for me. Picture in your mind, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Missouri. Got it? You're looking at a map, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri. It says here that Jesus was in Judea and he was heading to Galilee, but he must needs go through Samaria. Why was that? Because picture Judea being Louisiana, Samaria being Arkansas, Galilee being Missouri. So it says that he must needs go through. So geographically it worked that Jesus to go from Judea to Galilee, he would go through Samaria. Culturally though, it was a little iffy and I'll show you what I mean by that in a minute. But it says he must needs go through Samaria. And while he was traveling through Samaria, he ended up in this city called Sychar. Now this city has a lot of history to it. And to really understand the history, you gotta dig, but I've done the digging for you. So I'll tell you what I found while I was digging. Okay, let's look back at the history of Sychar. Now this this place, it was named several different things, but if you do study, you'll, you'll find out that it's the same area. It went by several different names throughout history. 
But the first time that this geographic location appears in the Bible is in Genesis verse 12 or chapter 12. We find that Abraham in his journeys came to this city where Jesus is now sitting at a well. This is where Abraham had been thousands of years earlier. And it said that while Abraham was there, the Lord appeared to him. And when the Lord appeared to him, he gave, them, he gave him a prophetic word. He said, your descendants are gonna live right here. This is gonna be, this land is gonna belong to your descendants. And so in response to that, Abraham built an altar. Everybody say the word altar. So Abraham builds an altar there. So that's the first time this region was mentioned. Abraham was there and he built an altar. Now, if you'll fast forward through the book of Genesis to the 33rd chapter, you'll see the second uh, mention of this area in scripture. And at this time, it's Abraham's grandson, Jacob, is in this area. Where Jesus is in John 4, where Abraham had been, Jacob now is. This is Genesis chapter 33. And what we see is that Jacob in this area bought some land Remember the prophetic word to Abraham earlier was that your kids, your descendants are gonna, uh, this is gonna belong to them. Well, this is the first realization of that prophetic word because Jacob buys a piece of land there. And then the Bible tells us that Jacob built an altar there. Just like his grandfather had built an altar, Jacob builds an altar. But again, if you look at John chapter four, what we just read, you realize that Jacob didn't just build an altar, Jacob dug a well. You with me? Abraham had been there earlier. There was an altar. Jacob's there, and there is an altar and a well. So that's the history of that area where Jesus now finds himself. He's sitting next to a well in that area. Now, this is a city in Samaria. Samaria is a region. It's like Arkansas. And, uh, and much like Arkansas, it's not a great place. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Remember how I said geographically it works that he would have had to go through Samaria, but culturally it didn't because you have to understand what Samaria was. Samaria was this region in the middle that um, it was kind of noted for being a place where, where the Samaritans, the people of Samaria, were a, an interesting group of people. They, they, have, they had Jewish origins or roots. They were, they were Jewish, but they had intermarried with the people of the world, with Gentiles. So they were kind of a diluted Jewish group. And because of that, Orthodox Jews didn't want much to do with them. So, so those, they were kind of the outcasts but they had intermarried with, with Gentiles, and so it created this diluted people group. And then through that diluted pe people group, what they ended up doing was taking Orthodox Judaism and they corrupted it so their theology was dil diluted as well. So we have a people group who ethnically, they're diluted, and then their theology, what they believed and understood of the word of God was corrupted as well. So this is where Jesus finds himself and which is strange culturally because if you were a good Jew and you had to go from Judea to Galilee, even though Samaria was in between, if you were a good Orthodox Jew, you didn't go through Samaria. You kind of swing around through Texas and cut that corner of Oklahoma to get to Missouri so that you can stay away from Arkansas. Anybody watch live PD in the house? I love those cop shows. 
And it's like every week when I'm watching it, they show some crazy uh, criminal car chase happening in Arkansas. It's like all those folks are crazy. Like one after another after another. So if you're a good Jew, you didn't go to Arkansas and you didn't go to Samaria. But this is, this is where Jesus found himself. He's sitting at a well in the middle of a region that's full of diluted, uh, diluted Jewish believers and, and a corrupt uh, theology. Now, this is where I, I feel like the prophetic end of this message begins to kick in because as I was studying this, um, I just kind of felt the Lord start talking to me about something, again, specifically for me, starting with me and our church and then maybe onto the body of Christ. Now, when you think about an altar, remember we said Abraham built an altar there, Jacob built an altar. When you think of altar, what I think of, what I see is an altar is a place to connect with God, yes or no? So an altar is, is about this. It's, it's, about, it's about encountering God. It's about connecting with God. So we see that Abraham built an altar and that really matches to me with the picture of the old covenant church, like before Jesus, when, when they met at the temple in the tabernacle, it was just all about ministering to the Lord. So the emphasis of the tabernacle, the temple, was, was just about God, uh, man ministering to God, so it was pointed up this way. But when I think about a well, when I think about a well, I think about something different. A well is not about connecting with God. A well is about nourishing people because God doesn't come drink from a well. So a well is, is about, about people coming and receiving, receiving nourishment. And that's a good thing, amen? And so what I, what I believe the Lord was, was showing me here is, is really a picture of where I think the church is today. Because... When Abraham was there, there was just an altar. When Jesus is there in John chapter four, there's just a well. And I believe what God was showing me, and I submit this to you seriously, carefully. I'm no Jim Jones. You don't need to just take what Jody says. When Jody says, I heard from God, you don't need to gobble it up like tiramisu. You go test it out, right? And so you, you check with God and check with the scripture, see if I'm online. But what I believe... God was showing me here is that God's design for his church doesn't look like when in Abraham's time and it doesn't look like what Jesus was experiencing. It looked like what happened with Jacob. There was an altar and a well. The altar points up, the well points out. You with me? I want you to picture the cross with me right now. Picture the very cross. There's the vertical part of the cross that points up and there's a horizontal point that points out and Jesus is in the intersection. Anybody feel that? I believe what God was saying is that his design for the church is that when we come to the church, there ought to be an altar for encountering God and then there's the extension that goes out and nourishes and blesses others. I just felt like the Lord was, was saying this to me. And I'm like, cool, God, I see that design. Now, here's where the correction comes in, is that I feel like God was, and again, you know the way God does this, and I want to say this with his character, because he doesn't shake hands, or wag fingers and, and point and, and this. What I was feeling the Lord say is that I feel like my church has become like Samaria and that my people have been diluted 
is if they don't belong wholly to me and they don't belong wholly to the world, it's somewhere in the middle. And it's, uh, my people are like Samaria. They're just kind of in the middle there. I mean, they're believers, but they're all entwined in the world. Anybody, that doesn't point to you, but it may point to your neighbor. I just felt like the Lord was saying this, that, that, that like, and, um, and so I felt like God was just saying that, you know, my church has become like Samaria, and my church meaning the people, but then I felt as, as we turned to the church this, the correction was, and my church has become just a well. It's not a place for encounter, it's just a place for nourishment. Feel that? And let me tell you something, I'm a nourishment guy. I hope y'all are tracking. I don't know that I can put words to this well enough for you to follow me. But I'm a nourishment guy. Like I'm really good at this stuff. Like come in, I'll help you with your marriage. Come in, I'll help you, you know, parent your children. I'll help you know how to be a good employer, how to be a good employee. Working with the practical day-to-day, walking out our faith, I'm good at that. That's just kind of my bread and butter. But the correction to me was, Jody, don't let the church just become a well. Because well, wells, I mean, you get a cool drink of water at a well, but tomorrow you gotta come back. And you gotta keep coming and you keep coming and you keep coming. And, and I'm afraid the church, we have become just a well. Like bring them in, make everybody comfortable, nourish them. Like preach good good practical sermons which there's nothing wrong with a practical sermon I'm a, we're a discipleship church discipleship is my, my forte I want to help you like I said we can have goosebumps on Sunday but to me you got to really know how to learn how to walk it out on a Monday and so I'm good at that so that's kind of where our church has been focusing and maybe where the body of Christ is large, at large has been focusing just helping people and that's good but the problem is it's temporary And I believe what the Lord was saying to us is that his design for his church is to be a place of encounter and a place of nourishment. And so I don't know how that fits with you, but I believe I saw that in scripture. It's interesting too, because in our passage, um, we were reading that, that Jesus at this well, he sits down at this well because he's weary. And, um, and it even tells us what time he was there. Now, most of us, that doesn't mean much to you, but I've, I've lived long enough to know that when you see a number in scripture, you ought to pay attention to it. So it says what time he was there. Anybody catch what time he was at the well? What time was it? It was the sixth hour, specifically how it says it. Now, here's, here's what I pick up from this, is that when our churches just become a well, Jesus shows up, but I think he's tired of just showing up and watching just this, watching just kind of practical day-to-day stuff. I think he's weary by that. And the number six, you know what the number six is? It's the number of man. So I think it's a picture of Jesus showing up at church just going, okay, let's see the show you've got for me today. We're gonna have some great musicians stand up and play some great music. We're gonna have some great singers sing us and lead us in some great songs. The man of God is gonna stand up and give an outstanding message. 
You see that? Hey, we've got community dark roast coffee that we're going to serve in our coffee shop. Donuts, burritos. But you see how that's all about man? It's all this way. And I think Jesus is tired of that. So everybody with me? You breathing in the room? Jump back in scripture with me and let's start reading. So here's verse seven. It says, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto her, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou a greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but that water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Here's what I see in this. Remember, the church has become a well and people go to the well and they get nursed, but then they gotta come back the next day and there's Jesus hanging out watching the well show. And, uh, and then here comes the woman. Here, here comes this woman. And I, honestly, I'm, I'm using, um, in my mind, I'm picturing this synonymous with the church. So I see Jesus showing up at church and, and the first church attender walks in. Like that woman was the first person coming to church. She was just coming to the well to do what she would normally do. And Jesus says to her, hey, give me a drink. Here's how I picture this. Again, I always picture Jesus being sarcastic because I would be sarcastic, but he's not. I see Jesus showing up at church and plopping down on the front row and go, hey, Jody, give me what you got. Let's see the human show. It's the sixth hour. It's the hour of man. Let me see the show. And then um, the woman, though, after he asked for this drink of water, she begins quibbling with him. Hey, now, now I'm a Samaritan and a woman and you're a Jew and what all, you know what I see in that? I see denominational quibbles. I, think, I see the, the Methodist standing up going, no, 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 that's not how we do church. And the Baptist and the full gospel and the, and the, and the, we, and the Catholics and we all start going, no, 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 oh, no, no, we do it this way. You can raise your hands, but it can only be this high. You can play fast songs, but it can't go over, you know, 75 beats per minute or whatever it is. And I, I see denominational quibbles and I see Jesus again being tired and bored with this whole situation. She's in her little argument and he turns to her and he says what I believe he's saying to us today, church. He's saying, I wish my people would quit just coming to a well and stop and ask of me if they would desire an encounter with me, then I'll give you something. I'll give you something that a normal well can't produce. What you need is not a church service. What you need is not a pro another production. What you need is an encounter with Jesus. 
And I believe in his heart, he was pleading at that moment saying, when are my people gonna stand up and say, Lord, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for your presence. We're hungry for your spirit to invade our place and change things, touch us, move us in deeper ways than just words can do. I believe Jesus' heart's breaking as he's saying, oh, I wish you'd ask me for this. And he goes on to read in verse 16 that Jesus, Jesus says unto her, go call your husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands and whom who, he whom thou hast now has, that's a tricky little thing right there. The guy you're living with now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Verse 19. The woman saith unto her, unto him, son, or sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that it, in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Here's what I believe I see here. You have this woman come into the well and Jesus is there and his heart is to encounter her in a deeper ways than just going through the motions of a church service or just going through the, the motions of, of the well. He's, he's, he's saying, I wish, you, I wish you would desire an encounter with me more than just a nice quick church service. And, um, but I don't think she, she understood. I, I believe that in her... Um, in her position, she thought she was well covered and her brokenness was well hidden. But when I see Jesus in this moment, it's the perception of Jesus. I feel like what he did here was he took a mirror and he held it up in front of her. And he asked her this question, go, you know, go get your husband. Now, how many of you think Jesus knew her husband's situation? So why did he ask her that question? I think he asked her that question holding a mirror up in front of her. I believe by asking her that question, he was saying, baby doll, listen, you're broken and I know it. Take a good look in the mirror and you've been hiding it behind all this other stuff, but you're broken. This Samaritan thing you're doing ain't working. Somebody should have amened right there. This half in the world, half out of the world, this kind of thing you're doing, here's what it's producing. Your life's a wreck. Your life's a mess. And so we need to, we need to get past this, this Samaritan thing. And so I believe God, Jesus was just holding up a mirror. We know he wasn't condemning her. We know he wasn't, you know, uh, you know, judging her and being harsh with her. I just think he was saying, baby, listen, I know who you really are. How many of you know that God knows our stuff? He just really does. He loves us anyway, but he loves our stuff. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. He loves us, not our stuff. But you see how I've been over there? I mean, you really believe me, even though I said something wrong because of this right here. He loves us even with our stuff, right? And I think this woman, when she was confronted with that mirror and she was, I mean, who she really was was in full display. She starts doing what we do is we start a religious debate. It's like we start deflecting with theological arguments. Well, Jesus, where, where should we worship? And, and she's baiting him in to getting the emphasis off of her so, so she can somehow feel, feel good about herself. Listen, Jesus didn't bite. 
And often what we do, if all we are is a well, and all we are, if, if we just offer good advice to people and nice self-help messages and those type of things, and, and we're confronted with it, even though it's not working, because listen, I've dealt with so many people, I help them through the issue in their marriage this week, guess what, there's another issue next week, right? And so it's these temporary things, there's no, there's no real change. And so, but what really changes us is an encounter and so, and so what I see Jesus here is, is he's, he's pulling on her to go further with him. So begin, I mean, finish reading with me here. Here's verse 21, what happens next? It says, Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me that the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so this woman had tried to engage Jesus in this theological debate to deflect from um from what she was feeling and the fact that she felt exposed before him. But Jesus, he, he cuts right through all that. And he says, listen, I don't care how you were raised. I don't care what the denomination you came from and what that theology was. I'm not here to, to argue whether this is right or that's right or they're right or these people are wrong. Not interested in any, in any of that. What I want to tell you, lady, is this, that there's coming a time where what denomination you belong to doesn't matter. There's coming a time where what 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 title hangs on you or what badge hangs on you doesn't matter. There's coming a time when, when I'm going to deal face to face with my church. I'm going to encounter my church. I'm going to open myself up, reveal myself to my church. And, and, and the way this thing is going to happen, it's going to happen in spirit and in truth. And he says, he's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what I see in spirit and truth? I see altar and well. The altar is spirit. It's about spirit. Well is about truth. Well is about helping people with practical truths on how to live their life, on how to do daily things. But Jesus is saying there's coming an hour when we're gonna see the combination of those. We're gonna see the, the altar where we encounter God and there's truth coming out of it because I believe Jesus is at the intersection of the altar and the well. And so what I'm hearing from God is Jody, Make way at victory for victory to be a place where it's both the altar and the well. And he's telling her this, and, and I can tell that in this moment, it's like she had tried to deflect. She had tried to cover up her brokenness. She was just doing the well thing. She didn't, she didn't none of this started with her. She was just going about her daily routine. She was just doing this thing, but Jesus encountered her and he didn't, he didn't take the bait when she tried to deflect and, and she didn't, he just navigated this perfectly. But at the end here, he gives a promise and I believe that what he said there at, in that moment in that last passage, I believe it started, it began to pull on her spirit. 
And she began to go, you know what I am? I'm tired of this Samaritan thing. I'm tired of the brokenness that this Samaritan thing produces in my life. I'm tired of just going to the well. I'm tired of just doing the church thing. I'm tired of just going through religious practices and half-hearting this thing. I'm tired of all this. And what he said there at the end began to give a little hope and we can see that because in verse 25, says the woman saith unto him I know that Messiah cometh which is called Christ and when he is come he will tell us all things and Jesus in verse 26 says I that speak unto thee am he I believe in that moment again her heart's It's the Holy Spirit's working on her and begin to loosen her up and, and reaching for a real encounter with God and she says you know I think there's people in here today who said, you know, I, I am, I'm that Samaritan, I'm half in, I'm half out, I, I go through religious motions, I, I, I do the, I kind of just do the things, but, but in the inside of me, I always hoped, I always knew that there was something different than just that. I always knew, I always believed that if God could encounter a Moses, he could encounter me. If God could... If God could do something for people in the Bible, then he can do something for me like that. And I believe there's something on the inside of us that's beginning to reach and saying, there's got to be more than just this well thing. I'm ready for the altar. And Jesus says to her, oh, baby doll, it's your lucky day because what you're looking for is me. And listen, this encounter radically changed this woman. You gotta keep reading in, in John chapter four to figure out what happened. But listen, this woman had went, been to this well day after day after day after day and nothing changed. But all of a sudden, she's got the well and she's got an encounter with Jesus. And the combination of those, those two, you seeing that with me? The combination of those two things changed everything. The Bible said that, that it so radically affected her. You know what she did? She left her water pots and she ran back into town she goes to town and she begins, she begins to, to share the news about Jesus with other people. You know what? In churches, we have been trying to get people to share the gospel, to share about Jesus with others, but you don't do it. You know why we usually don't do it? It's because we haven't encountered him ourselves. All we know is the Bible stories. All we know is the religious. But when you encounter Jesus himself, you just got to tell somebody, right? She goes straight into town, but she's not telling some secondhand news. No, no, no. She's telling about her encounter. And guess what? Her encounter became so loud that the people of town actually came out to meet Jesus. And guess what they had? A full-on revival because it says that two days Jesus stayed there and preached. An unscheduled, spontaneous revival popped out at the well in Sychar. Why? Because Jesus encountered a woman. The word for us today, the prophetic word that I believe I'm speaking over us to help us set our expectations and maybe even the body of Christ, maybe this is something God's doing worldwide, is that our churches are no longer just gonna be, gonna be wells. It's just not a place to come and learn how to be a better you. Listen, we don't need, I don't need a better you. You don't need a better me. We need Jesus. We need an encounter with Jesus. Come on, are you ready to encounter the living God? Not just come to a well, but have an encounter. If that's you, would you stand with me, please?